if money didn't matter. Business is a tool for life. You don't get what you want in life. You only get what you're willing to suffer for. You're entering the age of entrepreneurs with Clark Varen. How world-class entrepreneurs succeed in business and life. Today is a very special day. I have the pleasure of introducing one of my dearest friends and one of my biggest inspirations in life, my business partner in Mavule Financing, Moses Muanguzi. Now, Moses grew up in the countryside of Uganda, and when he was young, he tragically lost both of his parents to the AIDS epidemic. Now, he had to live with his aunt where he grew up in a single room mud hut, but Moses never lost hope. He continued fighting for his dreams and against all of the odds, he got an education, earned a scholarship to attend Makiri University, which is the Harvard of East Africa. And then he started a series of companies that have allowed him to fulfill his dream of providing nearly free food and education for over 700 kids in his village. Moses is one of the kindest and hardest working and determined people I've ever met. So I'm very excited to bring him on. Welcome, Moses. Welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for the invitation, Clark. I'm so happy for this wonderful time that you have given me. Yeah, and I am. I thank you so much for your time as well. I know that it's uh, not just late, but almost very early in the morning. It's nearly midnight, uh, or just a little bit past midnight in Uganda. So this just shows how hard of a worker Moses is. Um, so you have the most interesting backstory of anybody that I've ever brought on the show. Growing up in Uganda is so different that a lot of our listeners will have a hard time imagining what your life would be like as a kid. Could yes. you just start by telling us, you know, what was it like growing up in Uganda? What was your childhood like? Yes. Yeah, it is um, a very interesting um, story and it is actually the same story to most of all other african children growing up but it life is not all that is it kind of different from the kind of life you live over there especially the unfortunate things that happened to our country um, the civil wars and after the civil wars, the diseases and all that, that made it very hard for most of us as children as we are growing. So uh, interestingly, it's like um, so many people say where I am, where, where I've reached now and what I've been able to do and achieve. Uh, it's it's something that uh, so many people are wondering how we are able to go through that and through this and all of that. Uh, but it is really very hard. That hard work and that life that we go through uh, sometimes makes us stronger and 
makes us think outside the box and um and sometimes uh, through that you're able to be aware wherever you are and what you can do and all that so we we can all like appreciate the struggle that uganda the country has gone through and we've heard about you know idi amin and the civil wars and you know we've heard about these tragedies but it's hard for someone listening to this podcast in america to understand what is it like to live a day in the life of young moses what was your daily routine like yeah i remember um waking up in the morning and uh, getting ready to go to school traveling um a few kilometers to go to school by by on foot and without shoes and going back to school and then coming back very late and um sometimes uh, you eat once a day if you're lucky and it was really a very hard situation and sometimes you just get used to it thinking that this is how life is and you're just happy with what is there. But like any other African child uh, who is living in those same villages, it is really, really very hard for you to walk to, to, walk to school and then to come back and you, you, sometimes you walk to school and then they say you have no school fees so you have to walk back again. And um, it is really very hard, Clark. I don't know how to really express it and explain it, but it is really very hard. So what was, I, I know this is like very difficult. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult to express such a, yeah. such a pain that you have yeah. gone through. Yeah. What do you think some of your biggest challenges of childhood were? I think the biggest challenge as a child would be uh, not able to go to school. Or if you go to school, uh, they chase you for not paying school fees. So you have walked these long journeys and then you, you, you reach at the school and then they say, they read your name and they say the following should go back home for their school fees. So <laughs> your name, you know, it is there. So you mm. walk up very early in the morning and then you go back to your, to your auntie or mommy and say, they have chased me. Then maybe he says, he writes a smaller note and say, please give me some other maybe weeks to pay. Mm. And then you, you take that note back the following day. Maybe they leave you for two, three days. And the fourth day, then they chase you back. So that was also a very huge, um, uh, very huge challenge. Another challenge was walking all that distance. I think you saw it when you visited me, but it's really very long, maybe 14 kilometers. So walking without shoes in your feet and on, on foot. So it was a huge, a huge, a huge challenge and it was discouraging. Uh, that's why most of uh, 
kids my age men didn't go to school because all those things really discouraged them but uh, so for me uh, go ahead you said 14 kilometers is that yes, each all, way yes almost 14 kilometers yes walking. that's like that's like nine miles for anyone listening that can't do the conversion so you did nine yeah. you walked nine miles each way that must have taken like three hours a day each way. So you're walking, what, six hours a day to get an so education? I th yeah, I think it was almost, if 14 hours, maybe two and from, but I remember walking for like two hours. So at going least two to hours. And, yeah, that's a fast least, walk. <laughs> yes. So at least two hours going and maybe two hours coming back. So something like that. And we got used to it and um, that, my dream is to make sure that other kids don't go through that same situation. So that's mm -hmm. why we're working hard to make sure that that same uh, village, uh, those kids on that village don't go through that same pain mm -hmm. and that I went through it. That's, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, we have started that school in that village, as you saw when you visited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you, when you were young, you were getting your, you were in elementary school. Uh, did, did you ever have to drop out of school completely to start working? Yeah, I think I remember dropping out uh, for almost five years. Because, you know, I got my first degree when I was almost 30, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I remember dropping out um, before someone uh, gave me a chance and sponsored me to be able to go back to school. So I remember dropping out for like four, four to five years. And when, how old were you when you dropped out? I think I dropped out, that was uh, senior, senior two, that's like... Um, not 16 or 17 there, but I dropped out mm -hmm. in C2. Yeah. Okay. I don't know in American standard, maybe that is like mid or something, grade something, grade seven or grade eight, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So you essentially dropped out of middle school. And yeah. so eventually uh, you met a wonderful woman who gave you a scholarship. Could you explain how you met that person? Yeah, so when I dropped out, I was like, um, I was, I really, really, most of my time was in church. So I was like helping out my pastor and doing the church things. And there's a group of people who came from, uh, um, uh, from California. I think they were missionaries. They had come on a mission trip so when they came on a mission trip, so I, they happened to visit that same church where I was serving. Um, they kind of, one of uh, the members, one of the visitors asked me and said, uh, what can we do for you? I said, I'd like to go back to school. So he said, okay. I thought it was a joke, but... Um, he was very serious. He said, let me talk to my wife. They talked about it. And then they came back to the United States. And I received an email from them that we are very interested in sponsoring you. And that was um, an amazing miracle. 
uh, for me. That is a miracle. And they must have met dozens or hundreds of kids during their mission trip. Why do you think they chose you? I think that um, I can call that in my Christianity, I say that those, that's God's blessings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really I also ask that question because they came to a big church where there were so many other people. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why specifically um, he, he came to me and asked me, what can I do for you? And I said, I'd like to go back to school. So I think um, that God had planned it that way. So I really can't explain that, but I know maybe God planned it like that. And then here I am now. So they are so happy of recent year. Remember, they came and visited the school. They came and saw their seed. They planted in me how it has grown and helped other children to go to school. So they were so happy to visit. And that was amazing. I bet that he saw something special in you. Yes. That's what I think. Yes. He must have seen your hard work or your dedication or seen that you have the character of someone who deserves it and someone who would be able to do something great given the opportunity. Yes, I think so too. So you got to go back to school and he sponsored you all the way through college, right? Yes, I was able to graduate with the um, Bachelor of Commerce and I majored mm-hmm. in finance. So um, I passed very well. And then from there, I was thinking to what can I do? And I was thinking, what can I do in order to do something uh, in my village, in my country? And what can I do to like kind of earn it? So mm-hmm. I, that's how I think I, wish I started with my wife, the Kisa Safaris. We started Kisa Safaris with an idea that um, we can uh, have a business that can not only take care of us, but also able to take care of some other kids. And I remember we could make some money in Kisa Safaris and we get the 10% which is our tithe. And we could go to our village and go to those local, local schools and look for students who can't afford and Mm -hmm. try to pay for them using Mm -hmm. our tithe when we were still starting the business. Mm -hmm. So we started that, that's why we call it humanitarian tourism. So where the 10% of whatever we make goes there to support and as we started Kisa Safaris, we were able to bring people on our trips. They really loved what we are doing. They could do their safaris and then they could visit this, uh, our village and, and see what we are doing and support it. And that's how we've been able to move on. So from university, that's when I started Kisa Safaris. And then with Kisa Safaris, we had to start Omuto Uganda. Omuto Uganda is a non-profit. So we started it to support children who can't afford to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up building a school and what an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what an amazing job. I could not agree more yes. myself. Now I'm curious, yes. Moses, before you started Kisa, mm-hmm. did you 
like when did you find out that you were an entrepreneur was it was kisa your first business or did you have other things going on before then when you realized hey i'm really an entrepreneur i think that uh uh during those uh during those years uh of not going to school but helping out in my church serving my pastor and and, and the church i did a lot of things uh, uh now i remember there is a, a woman who was selling um on our street near the church was selling um cassava so mm-hmm. you know cassava? so he was yeah cassava it's like a root it's like a root yeah. it's, that um it's almost like the consistency of potatoes for people who don't yeah. know what it is yeah, yeah. she was a uh, an ordinary woman who could wake up very early in the morning and sell cassava to people who go to school in the morning or go to work very early in the morning so that they can eat it while they are taking early breakfast before they go to work. So that was her job. And she was staying nearby our church. So I remember at church, they used to give me a small allowance, uh, maybe, you know, $10, you know, a month or something. So I remember like, you know, why can't I invest in this lady? Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, I think I gave her equivalent of $10. Yeah, like $10, if not $5. So I gave it to her and I told her, if I have, if I give you this uh, $10, can you give me um, like a half a cent per day? Something like that. Half a cent. I remember it was a half a cent per mm-hmm. day. If not, yeah. no, it was half a cent because it was 100 Uganda shillings, you know, just a coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then she said, oh, yeah. So the capital she needed was, you know, $10, $20 was okay for her. So wow. I gave her and she could give me and she could give me that half cent. And I could get that money and put it under my... Um, under my bed because I didn't have a bed. I was sleeping down. So I could put it uh, sleeping down on a mattress, on a, on, a, on, a, on a mat. So I could uh-huh. put it under the mat, under the mat, under the mat, under the mat. So and by uh, a mat, you mean like a, a rug on the ground? Yes. That's what so you slept on. That's where I slept on. So, but wow. I could put that coin down, down there, down there, down there, down there, down there. And within mm-hmm. six months, I had raised some money. And actually, that's how did I... Did you say six, six months or six weeks? No, that is six months. That's like 24 weeks, something like that. Yeah, six months, okay. Yes. So that was my first, you know, experience, and I really liked it. I remember <laughs> that I was your first I, microloan. Yes. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I, I used it, actually. Part of that money, I think I used it to... Um, I used it to 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 go to the driving school. <laughs> so <laughs> to get your license, to get my license. I remember that very well. So wow. another another thing another thing I did was um, I remember also selling clothes. I think when you're here, you realize there are some people singing. The t-shirt mm-hmm. is one thousand. The t-shirt is two thousand. The trousers is one thousand. Did you? I think you saw those kind of oh, things. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 
I don't know how you call them in the US. So I think that I also did that. And I also did, uh, you know, milk. I remember I also did hawking, you know, hawking? Uh, hawking? Yes, hawking. So I could go um, buy a jerry can of milk and then walk with it with a cup in my hand uh-huh. and walk house to house. This is Moses. Would you take a, gl- a glass of milk? It's 500 Oh my sheet. gosh. <laughs> I remember I also did that. Oh my that, gosh! Yeah, it did. Yeah, long stories. So that—that's like the original milkman. You served milk by the glass, going door to door. That is incredible. Yes. Thank you for asking me that question about uh, the first entrepreneurial thing. Mm-hmm. All that I was doing, I didn't know that I had that that entrepreneurial, you know gift yeah. i was just being able to survive or to i was thinking outside the box you know yeah but in uganda mm. there's so many people who are entrepreneurs just out of survival yes that's a very good uh phrasing phrase so there are so many people who are entrepreneurs just out of survival you're very correct and they have created this economy for example you see the border border uh-huh. by the way that's that, a motorcycle that's a that's like a motorcycle yeah. taxi for people yes, listening. The motorcycle yeah. taxi, yes the youth in uganda didn't have employment you know there are not enough jobs for all the youth but mm-hmm. slowly by slowly these people invented that there is no like in all other countries, you cannot find a motorcycle to be a taxi. Mm-hmm. But because of the, inter- the survival and yeah, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, the Ugandans uh, really, really invented that and made the motorcycle a taxi. And it's a very huge, huge, huge uh, economy now, part of the economy. And actually, Uber has also introduced uber border and i see some <laughs> border so now they have invented it and now they are making it better and better so uh, the, the, you can just see the entrepreneurial spirit that is really coming out of mm-hmm. that survival kind of a thing because people mm-hmm. have to survive so they do whatever it is there to survive so you already had some entrepreneurial experience when you started Kisa and you had a college degree under your belt. So you're feeling confident and you've got your first real business that you want to start. What did you do to launch this safari company as someone in Uganda needing to reach clients outside of the country? How did you, how did you manage that? I think that I remember what I did the first thing was to go back and study, um, get a training on how tourism Mm -hmm. works. So I remember I went to Queen Elizabeth's site and then we were able to train. So I went there and got a training and I Mm -hmm. got a certificate. And in that training, I learned a lot of things because as a businessman you also need to know that side 
of the typical business that you're going to do. So I remember when I got myself a training and then uh, I came back, I started an office in my house. So uh, we didn't have uh, to rent an office or anything. I came to my house and then Kenny, my assistant, you remember him? He came mm -hmm. to work for me here in my house so he could sleep in the bedroom come to work in the sitting room. <laughs> <laughs> so that was so amazing. And I remember we had a, like a attendance, attendance book, like uh, when the person reports to work. So I remember when he comes to the sitting room, he signs in the book what time he has arrived in the sitting room. <laughs> <laughs> Setting up so, office in the living room. I yeah. love it. What a story. <laughs> Yeah, so we started that and um, Kisa Safari started like that. I think we got, um, I think our first clients were from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, got, okay. Yeah, I got them through a friend, of, a, friend of, a friend of mine who was a Canadian. Those were our first clients. Mm -hmm. um, my next client was from Chicago, I think. Chicago. So how are, how are you meeting these people? I mean, was it email? Like what were you doing to, to network around with people in America? So for the first client, I had a friend of mine uh, who was living here from Canada. So when I told him that, you know, I'm, I've started a tour company and mm -hmm. So he said, oh, Moses, you started a tour company. I have my friends that are visiting from Oklahoma. So oh, nice. would you want to arrange for them? And I think uh, there, were, there were these rich billionaires. I can't find the name and give it to you, but they are very rich clients. So I remember we made really a good, um, a good margin there. So... Mm -hmm. The first client, we, I got it through that friend of mine. Now, it's too bad that he died of cancer recently. But oh, I'm my, sorry. Yeah, my first client, I got it through him. He, he was a Canadian. Then my second client, from that client, it took a while for us to get, because I was building a website, a building, uh, you know, all those kind of things. So yeah. that's when I got an opportunity to travel to the United States. And I oh went, my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, this is my favorite part of the story. <laughs> yes, I also traveled to the United States and I think I came to the first time I went to Chicago. So, so tell me, <laughs> tell me, what was it like the hmm. first time you came to a huge city like Chicago after, you know, growing up in uganda sleeping on literally the mud ground yeah so and, um uh the main uh, the first question i really this is very personal but i was like what happened to us in africa something must have <laughs> like when i landed in chicago there's that beautiful airport called ohio so O'Hare, oh, yeah. something like that so I remember, like, I was like, what, what really happened to us in Africa? Why such a huge difference between, you know, us and here? 
this is mm-hmm. so huge, huge for me. Anyway, so uh, when I went to Chicago, we had a, an entrepreneurial conference there. And um, when we were there, I managed to meet different people. And I remember visiting um, Chicago University. So when I was there trying to give my brochures to students, my, my, my business cards, and when I was giving, 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 I met this one man and I gave him my card. I said, come to Uganda when you're free when you have time. So the guy took my card. I gave so many business cards, so many business cards and to people I could find people on the way and I said, I'm Moses from Africa. If you wanna come on a safari, here is my business. <laughs> Those kind of things. So, and when I came back here, uh, after maybe a few months, guess what? What? That one person in Chicago sent me an email and said, you remember a man you met in Chicago University? Mm-hmm. I'm ready to come. So That's awesome. <laughs> the guy was doing his master's. He had just finished serving in the army, so he was doing his master's. And up to now, he came to my safari. He loved everything. Up to now, he's still my friend. Though he moved in Thailand and recently contacted me, he wanted to do some business here. So I'm happy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, he contacted me a few days ago. So. That was very, very, very good. So that was my first client. And then he went on, 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 on online and talked good things about me. And through him, I got to meet other people like that, like that. Yeah. So you have a mix, though, because part of your strategy is going and meeting people in America in person. And you have another part of your strategy that you've told me about where you send a hundred emails a day. Yes, we send a hundred emails a day, unless now during COVID. So my other strategy is to send a hundred emails a day to people. And once we get leads, if, I, if, if there's an opportunity for me to travel there and meet those people, because you have to know that there is a huge disconnect between the developed world and uh, the developing world because there is a lot of uh, misinformation, there is a lot of exaggerations, there is a lot of fear, there is a lot of you know, mistrust and all that. So sometimes people just receiving something from the internet from Africa, most of the people won't read it even, you know? And yeah. in, if they want to come to Africa, all those huge companies in New York and all over, they have, their own branches here in, in Uganda. So they can just deal there and then connect here and you know, you are out of business. Meaning that you have to look for that other market. People who wants to go out there and try new things, people who who wants to take all the risks, people who wants to, people like mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And maybe people who wants to come and volunteer and give back and do something. As you know, our theme is travel with the papas so well, safari mm-hmm. for the papas with the papas so yeah so so um, you started having a few clients and then 
How quickly after starting the business did you decide that you're going to start giving 10% of your sales to uh, people who need an education in Uganda? Yeah, I think my wife and I, even even before we started Kisa Safari, so whatever we could get, because remember my wife was a teacher somewhere, and mm-hmm. it was our thing that, you know, whatever we have, 10%, we should help somebody. We should help because mm-hmm. my wife and I almost have the same story. You know, people have really helped us to go to school and all that. Wow. So that one, it was part of the reason why we started the school. Wow. So who, what, was, what was the origin story of Omuto? The origin story of Omuto was... Um, after we started, remember, we could make 10% and then we just go to the schools and pay without a formal, a formal way. So we realized mm-hmm. later that we need to have to register a non-profit dealing with that mm-hmm. so that the money goes to the non-profit so that it is, you know, traceable and all that. So, so but we, we can you, build you, you, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. Just to clarify, you started by just giving 10% of your income to other schools before you actually started your own school. Is that right? Yes. To other village schools. Okay. So we could go there and talk to the teacher. Who are the children that are struggling? And do you know what some of those children now, they are our first children? They're in high school. You remember? They're in our high school. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, we have them. Those children used to sponsor in other schools. Now they are in our high school. Mm-hmm. They are our first, first, first children that we started with. So um, that's how we, we we started it. And then I remember we, we sat down here with my wife and we were like, what name should we bring? And actually she suggested Omuto. I said, let's do that. So we did Omuto means the young child. The young child. Oh my gosh. The young children of Uganda. That is beautiful. Yes. So that is just how we started it. We went and registered it. And, um, you know, and now so many, meaning that that, um, if we are going to do it alone, we couldn't need to, to register. But now if we needed other people to join in, it had to be an organization registered and everything so that other people can also have an opportunity. And through that, we've been able people to come and trust. And that's how we have all that beautiful campus and all that administration mm-hmm. and what we've been able to do there. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that Omuro, Uganda, the school that you started, is one of my favorite places that I've ever been in the world. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Every weekend, me and my wife, we are there. So it's very amazing there. Yeah. And I wish that I could just show the people listening to this a picture of what it's like. But it's this beautiful campus with buildings kind of surrounded in a U shape uh, with a courtyard in the middle. And then yeah. behind it, there's a soccer field with kids playing netball, yeah. which is kind of like basketball and yeah. soccer. 
and yes. now you've got a few dorms and there's there's boarding school students and it's it's growing so fast it's growing so fast it's amazing so good can do yes um i know that the pandemic has kind of put the the people who go to that school in a stressful situation um mm. if anyone wanted to donate to the school how could they donate money to help you out to help keep these kids fed during the pandemic yes uh we have uh, we we i have an umbrella organization on my website mm-hmm. so when you're there if you give money to that organization and you can donate anything that god you know that you feel in your heart you want to do so they mm-hmm. will write me and they will send it to me and I'll write you a letter of thanks <laughs> and, and that's uh omuto yeah. is that omutouganda.org is that what it is yes yes omutouganda.org so we have an american mm-hmm. uh organization that helps us to receive donations on our behalf because uh with that organization has a tax a tax id yeah so when people give money it can give them back uh, the tax receipt and all that mm-hmm. yes so i will uh, i'll include a link to that in the description of this podcast so anybody listening can help out because i know that people are really struggling at the school at the moment yeah. um yes. But what's really interesting Moses is you started a safari business and then uh that kind of got running and it's not running entirely on its own. I mean you still guide people when they come here but you've got a lot of systems set up so that you don't have to spend all day running the business. And then you started a school and you have like 20 staff members at this school, right? Yes. So we and, have go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess what my question is you we have 20 staff there and then you and I have a dozen employees that you manage with Movule microfinancing. Yeah. How are you able to manage three organizations and like 40 employees at once? Yeah. So um the most important thing is you have to learn the, the what they call delegation here there is a book i read here that you gave me It says delegate and elevate delegate and elevate i love it <laughs> is that traction <laughs> so delegate and elevate so um if you don't delegate you don't grow Mm-hmm. also like um i'm not a teacher so i remember when i was starting that school i hired um a man who was 30 year who had 30 years of experience of being a teacher so mm-hmm. i hired him to come and recruit teachers for me and manage the school for me for at least one year or two terms whatever mm-hmm. and then among those staff chooses the headmistress or the headmaster mm-hmm. so that gentleman came he recruited all the teachers for me he managed it and then we chose the headmistress so that's how we have all that team there 
So meaning that uh, 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 I get a report, of course, once a week from the headmistress, but the day-to-day of the school, it, it has, you know, the headmistress, the deputy, the director of studies, the teachers. So, you know, for me, uh, every, every week I just get a report or I go there to encourage them for trainings, for, you know, giving them encouragement and all that mm-hmm. and share the vision because you need to make sure that the, the employees uh, uh, understand why you're doing what you're doing and what mm-hmm. is your vision and what is your feelings. They need to understand that. And that one, you need to, tell, you need to remind them to remind them. So mainly what mm-hmm. I do there may be to remind them and maybe to look for some funds if there is like that. So with, um, with, with, with that, when you delegate, you elevate, meaning that you're free now to do something else. And, mm-hmm. that's, and uh, with the, the tour business, it's about, um, it's about you have the vehicles, you have the drivers, you just plan how the trip is. Unless when your friends come, you that's when you can go with them. But you don't mm-hmm. need to be on a trip and all that, because you have all these arrangements with all these hotels. So that is also not too much. You can maybe focus on how to get clients and yeah. how to get leads. So there you are also free. So and God got a ble- gave us a blessing that during that time when I delegated everything, Mvule came. Yeah. So, and then, um, uh, as you know, when you delegate elevation, Movule came. Something that, mm-hmm. remember, my first, first, I didn't know that my first, first, my pro loan was like $10. And I remember at university, I majored in finance and I was really good. So, and I was like, I think this is, and this fit in well with supporting these, mainly the small businesses. These are the the single moms who bring their children to our school. These are single fathers. These are people who are struggling with small businesses. So Movule really, 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 really fit, was really fitting in my, you know, in my goals, in my, dreams in my you know and then uh, and then uh, Clark a wonderful man you know whom we share <laughs> the vision and we share the, the passion and I remember when you were teaching at high school with passion and you know yeah. so I, I really you took a risk and you know flew all the way from Minnesota to to meet me you've never met me but you came and you, you know so that mm-hmm. was that was really 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 amazing. And now we are building Mufule, and I'm telling you that um, we I am going to do my best first of all to build a team because the most important thing is to build a team because the business is always good as its 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 workers or its employee. So build a good team and then you know have the structures in place and then we can build this into a bank because our vision yeah. is the bank. It is. Can you, can you uh, go back a little bit and explain for anybody who doesn't understand the concept of what microfinance is? 
like what exactly, what is it and why is it important? Yeah, microfinance is very important because um, the smaller business, because we give loans like $100, $50, $200. These are the people, normally we call them high risk, but these are the people that in the middle, maybe they can't, they don't have enough um, requirements to go to the, um, to the bank, qualify for the traditional loans. Mm-hmm. But they have these small businesses. No matter what we do, we make them come into a group and the group guarantees uh, their loans. Mm-hmm. The group members stand surety for their uh, members that in case mm-hmm. if one of them that doesn't bring the money, the group entirely is responsible. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. brings, yeah, that, brings uh, that accountability to them to pay, but mainly we are focusing on those small businesses because those small businesses, they are the ones which hold the informal sector. They hold the, the, the economy in one way or the other. They keep yeah, the economy so going. Ju- just to summarize, uh, so basically, we help really, really poor people who yeah. run a stand, they run a restaurant, or they make clothes, or they have a market, or they you know, sell charcoal, or they uh, are a farmer. We help these yeah. really small businesses that are the core of the Ugandan economy who don't have enough inventory. They don't have the charcoal to sell. They want to buy another pig for their farm. Uh, They want cloth so that they can sew it into clothes. These people need really small loans, like a hundred bucks, but the banks can't give them a hundred bucks because they're deemed not credit worthy enough. And so, you know, how are they going to pay back? Yeah. How are they going to pay it back? And so, the only option that these people have is they can go to predatory money lenders who yeah. will charge them so much interest that they're going to go bankrupt and they end up basically like slaves to the predatory money lenders or they can go to the microfinancing institutions and yeah. we are just like a bank but for poor people and yes. the way that we mitigate our risk is by having is by not giving a single person a loan for a hundred bucks, but giving yes. ten people a loan yeah. for a thousand dollars, and as a group, they're responsible for paying it back, which keeps yes. them accountable to each other. Yeah. It yeah. it decreases the risk, yeah. and um, it helps them help each other out. If they know one person is struggling to pay their share, then they're going to buy that person's fruits and vegetables that day to make sure that they don't default on the loan. And And I have seen seen it happening like one group in particular, their member got genuine issues and they were paying for that person, you know, for almost two months and they were coming in. And then later she, and another thing we do, we also encourage these women to save among themselves. So Mm -hmm. normally we make the group very organized, like they must have a constitution, they must have a chairman, they must Mm -hmm. have a secretary, they must have a treasurer. Mm -hmm. 
So we make sure that the group is well organized and the members respect their rules. And then we encourage them that every day they meet, let them save something for them. They don't save with us because we are not allowed to receive savings since we are just micro. We, 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 we encourage them to have a treasure and they save something small. Even if it's a half, some people save uh, one penny, some people save two pennies. Like every week they all come together and create, collect it. But that one also helps us that in case if they have a member who has not paid, we have where to begin from. So it also helps in mitigating and lowering the risk. Mm -hmm. So what kind of impact have you seen these loans have on some people's lives? Could you tell us a few stories of, you know, what you've seen, how you've, how you've seen these tiny little loans help people? Yes. So in particular, I know that, um, especially uh, uh, during this COVID, before the, the beginning of a COVID issue, I happened to move to the client's house, to the house to visit where they work from. I realized that uh, some ladies have really developed uh, from the one who was selling uh, one sack of circle, now he has maybe 10 or eight, now he's a wholesaler. Mm. We have we have, um, uh, I know that we have someone who has taken a loan from us. He now bought a, a, a plot of land for her children. Wow. And, <laughs> I, know, I know, and I know. Like there's a lot of stories when you come, I think we are going to document, we are going to move to them, you know? Yeah. Just get ready. We are going to move and interview each of them, at least yes. 10 of them because we have many. Yeah, wow. So these people, I mean, we're giving them like a hundred bucks. They're making, I mean, most of them make just a dollar a day, two bucks a day. Yeah. And how, like, what's the average growth rate? They get this hundred dollar loan the next day are they making you know 10 bucks or like how how is how does that work can you tell us how quickly the change happens yeah depending on which business they are doing but whatever business they are doing their daily uh, daily earnings like uh, if someone let's say is is hawking milk so every day he must make some money and he must make some profits so you find that um, some people, it moves faster. Some people get the first loan and then when they finish it, they get another one like that, like that, like that. So, but um, it depends on which business, but I know that some people make 20,000 Uganda shillings a day, 10,000 Uganda shillings a day. Mm-hmm. So uh, 10,000 or something makes it like maybe $80 Over. yeah, a month or $100 a month around there. Some people, you know, would make that with our loans. So they are able to live a comfortable life and able to help. The main thing here is to be able to help themselves. 
we want to support them uh-huh. to do something to help themselves. And and what do when people start making a little bit more money, what do they typically spend that money on that they get? The good thing is that we have ladies mainly. So ladies are very conservative spenders. I've realized that they do mainly people want to to feel safe so they are trying to look for a small plot of land. So mm-hmm. that one seen and some people also you see that they now expand the business mm-hmm. yes some people have actually worked uh they're in their third round that now they can afford a border border a motorbike yeah right? yeah so we have those people who have really 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 now there's a lady who bought you know she worked she worked using our loan and now she has a, yeah. a border her husband it, is working she and, got her and a job. So. Oh, nice! She's she's giving her husband a job now. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember. I remember that lady. She came to 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 office, you know, to thank and all that. Wow. Yeah. And most importantly, they're eating well, and their kids are in school. Yes, that's the most important thing. Those women, when they make money, the first thing they, they do, school fees for their children. That's yeah. That's bad. School fees and their children fit their home, then the extra they're able to look for land, a small plot of land for their security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that the the order of priorities is making sure everyone's well-fed, then yeah. making their, sure their kids are in school, and then after yes. that, reinvesting it in the business mm. and growing their business and improving their house conditions. Yeah. House conditions, yes. Yeah. That's why also. Yeah. Moses, you have had such an amazing story. Like starting with so much suffering to being able to experience an incredible level of gratitude and grace with spreading, you know, education and opportunity for pretty much every kid in your village. Yes. How do you stay so happy and, you know, motivated despite all of the suffering that you've gone through? Yeah, uh, number one, um, as you know, Clark, that I'm a Christian. So number one, like, um, as a Christian, you know that the most important thing is that you have Christ in your heart. And you know that, you know, that uh, that uh, surety that you are in a good standing with God also brings uh, peace that's spiritual peace Mm -hmm. but um above that all uh, family is very important Uh, making sure that my wife is on my side and Mm -hmm. i have a relationship with my children and my family and my wife so that one also uh, keeps me going because it keeps you like thinking you know there's a reason to live and another thing is the relationships that um, 
that I have, you know, when you look at, especially at the school, I have a personal relationships with most of the students mm-hmm. and, and the teachers. And you know their stories, you know where they have come from. When you look at them, sometimes you see yourself in them and you say, this kid, you know, don't worry, you know, maybe they are suffering, but you, you encourage them to tell them, you know what, I also went through the same thing. You can also make it study hard, stay focused. You know, that uh, kind of thing also makes me um, alive. That was the best response I could have ever imagined. Faith, family, and friends. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. Yes. So that's... um, yeah, like every weekend when I go there to school, sometimes I even cry. These days I help out in coaching the, 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 the soccer, the school team, football. Mm-hmm. So I'm there running around, teaching them how to play <laughs> soccer. It's kind of nice and lovely, and you know? Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I... Uh, I think you're one of my biggest inspirations seriously like you you have gone through so much and when you first started your journey as an entrepreneur you could have found a million reasons why it would have been a bad idea or why it wouldn't have worked and part of the reason why i am making this podcast is to help the next generation of entrepreneurs find the reasons why they should take the leap and why they should pursue their passion and and build their dreams. And if you, I mean, if you want, go ahead. I remember one thing before I stop you. Um, When you talk about things that stop you from doing what you have to do, it doesn't work and all that. I remember when I was starting um, Omuto as an organization, I was looking at who is going to be sitting on my uh, board board of directors, like board members. Yeah. So I was thinking, this gentleman, this gentleman, this gentleman, this gentleman. And then there's this particular gentleman, a friend of mine, my heart told me, I think you talk to him. So I organized a coffee somewhere and I called him and he came and we sat down. And I told him, you know what? I feel like we start on such an organization. Like the 10% of whatever money we make, we give it to that school organization to support children in the villages who are not going to school. And then that gentleman said, you say 10 what? I said 10%. I said, 10%? And then he pulled up a calculator on his phone. And I saw him writing 10% times. I counted the zeros very well, but it was 100 million Uganda shillings. He was saying 10% of 100 million. So... I was like, why, why is he calculating this? 
And then he told me, you, Moses, what you are saying, I'm going to give you 10%. Like, t- t- I didn't know that he had saved up 100 million. So I didn't know that I'm like telling him, give the organization 10% of your 100, <laughs> of your 100 million. And he said, what are you thinking? And then when he said like that, in my heart, I had not told him that I want you to be on a board, on my board. But that was my next. I wanted to ask him officially. Uh-huh. But I first started by want to start something like this, whereby our 10% can go there to uh-huh. the student. And then when he said, what are you thinking? This thing will never work. Tell what? And then in my heart, I heard a voice saying, this gentleman can never be on your board. <laughs> so, yeah. so I kind of said at 10% and I changed the conversation. We ordered for another coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of ended the story. Yeah. So four years later, that guy was looking for me. I think that he got the news that the thing became very successful. He was mm-hmm. looking at me and he said, Moses, can I join? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> so a hundred a hundred million shillings, by the way, to people who don't know that conversion is like yeah. almost thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, my thirty thousand but and to have thirty thousand dollars here, you are very rich. Yeah. Believe you, you're very I didn't know the guy was very rich. I didn't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So but here in Uganda standard with a hundred million, I think you're very super rich here. Yeah. So you have to understand that you're going to face I was kind of, you know, uh, discouraged that would people allow that? Will people allow that? You know, maybe it is bad to say, if you want to be a member in this organization, 10% of your income should come to that, you know? (laughs) You know, that's kind of things. But you have to face those uh, uh, blockade or, you know, challenges. Yeah, the disempowering beliefs. Yes. The, the belief that you... It's the, uh, the belief that you don't think it's possible. You got to overcome that. Yes, it's possible to overcome that. And sometimes it takes your energy away. And once it takes your energy, then you're going to be like them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you'll be begging the people who believed in themselves for a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or an opportunity. Yes. So now you see, so, he looking for me. The thing is, you know, it is giving opportunity for not only the students, but also employing all those teachers. You know, the impact is so mm-hmm. huge. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a perfect setup for my final question for you. Yeah. For those people who are considering becoming entrepreneurs, Mm. what's one final piece of advice that you could leave them with 
as they begin their journey? Mm. <sighs> number, <laughs> number one, as an entrepreneur, um, I think you have to, man, you have to be determined. Mm-hmm. You have to be determined and you have to understand. You know, there is taking, um, you know, the roads, you, you know, the roads in Africa. Yeah. The bumpy Afri- free African massage roads. <laughs> yes. So you must be knowing that there is a highway that can take me where I want to go swiftly but there is a bumpy road. You must be able to understand that it is a bumpy road. You don't just think that, no, I just want to go, and then you reach in the middle. For example, one day I took people on the tracking gorillas, mm-hmm. and then there is this couple from America, and they said, I looked at them and I said, you people, you need helpers to go there. They must say, no, Moses, I don't need help her. You need helpers, please. No, Moses, we're just going to cook. In America, we do trucking all the time and hiking. So <laughs> I said, please. So they refused. What I did, I actually paid the porters or the helpers in the gorillas to go yeah. with the guests. I said, just to go, but just in case, they needed the porter, this person is going to be there to help. So when they went down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain, they couldn't move anymore. <laughs> and guess what? This porter said, oh, we are here. They paid us to help you. Oh, you're here. Thank God. Thank God. So they, they, they helped them and they were able to come. And when they came back, they kind of gave me a hug, gave me a big tip and, you know, and all that. So mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you must know that this is what I am going to go. You don't expect roses. You don't expect, no, you just expect whatever, just be determined. This is what I want. This is where I am going. This is what, this is it. It is bumpy. It is like this. Whether it is bumpy, I'll find a solution. I love that. And I love that you can tie it in with the African roads, which are truly the bumpiest roads I've ever been on in my life. (laughs) when, When we are setting you the trip, we say, you are going to have the African massage and we want to let you know that it is going to be bumpy <laughs> so that your expectations are based on the truth. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I tell entrepreneurs, just be determined and be ready for anything. Nothing, whatever comes, it will come. You find a solution, you go through it you continue moving. That's beautiful. Well, you know what? This has been an amazing conversation and I know know we could go on for hours talking. 
Thank you so much for your time and for the pod. Is it podcast or something? Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how can people uh, who have listened to this and want to hop on your mission join you? We already said uh, the school. If you want to make a donation or get in contact with Moses for helping with provide education, and right now the the people going to the school are really struggling to even get food because of the pandemic. Uh, so we know that to contact you there, we can go to omutouganda.org. That's O-M-U-T-O-Uganda.org. Yes. And uh, Mavule is www.muvule.com. That's the yeah. microfinance organization Yes. And we're currently doing, we're, we're, we're trying to raise $100,000 as mm-hmm. a stimulus package, kind of like how the U.S. government made, gave a whole bunch of stimulus checks to small businesses in the U.S. We're trying yes. to do the same thing with the mm-hmm. clients that we have in Uganda. So yes. we have a GoFundMe. Uh, if you go to the yeah. website, you can click Donate. And that will take you to the GoFundMe. And every dollar that you donate will go directly into the hands of entrepreneurs in Uganda to help them feed their families, put their kids in school, and rebuild their businesses because they're really struggling right now. Uh, Uganda has been on a lockdown for how long? How long has it been, Moses? Now it's a month and a half now, almost 40 something days. Almost 40 days. And these are people, 80% of Ugandans, by the way, mm-hmm. live hand to mouth. They yeah. don't have savings. They need to make money that day in order to feed themselves. And so yeah. they have been scrapping uh, mm-hmm. whatever they can together, you know, scraping whatever they can to, to feed themselves the last 40 days. And mm-hmm. thankfully, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uganda's lockdown is going to be lifted soon. And when it's lifted, we want to be able to give as many loans as we can to yes. help as many families get back up to where they were before yes. the pandemic shut their business down. Yes, that would be so amazing. Any help, we'll be so happy. Yeah. Um, is there anything else I missed? Oh, yeah, Kisa Safaris. If someone wants to go to Uganda and go gorilla tracking through the mountains like you brought up and you know actually see the school and things like that how can they get a hold of kisa safaris yeah www.kisasafaris.com so it's k-i-s-a safaris.com yes so it's a humanitarian tour you come you have a chance to come to volunteer at our school uh, be with the kids, see the village, see what we are doing, and then um, have days off by doing a very excellent, wonderful, breathtaking safari. Yeah, and I have done it now twice, and yes. by far the best memories of my life have been on those safaris, playing with kids at the school, and... And walking through the villages of Uganda, it's a, such a beautiful place. It's always 70 degrees and sunny every day. <laughs> beautiful. All right. Thank you, Moses, for, have, uh, for coming on the show. I know it's yeah. you know, past midnight there, so I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Thank uh, you so much for having me.
Yeah, and thank you for your kind words. See you next time. Next up on the Age of Entrepreneurs, we have another rags to riches story. This time, not in Uganda, but on the streets of Chicago. Matt Seibert went from being homeless, uh, carrying a machete in his coat jacket to protect himself, to becoming the king of CBD, helping legal marijuana companies sell their products using e-commerce. For more stories of incredible entrepreneurs who are recreating their lives in the new age, go to theageofentrepreneurs.com and enter your email address to subscribe to the channel and get updates when the next story gets released.